Smoking the Light Treason News, everyone. Pop culture, politics, and a sprinkle of treason. I'm joined today by Meredith. Hello. How's it going? It is, uh, it's pretty okay. So I was just saying I am uh, really fucking broke right now, and it's upsetting, but I will survive. Yes, uh, as someone who is also broke, I feel your pain, and you will survive. Yes, well, uh, at least for the moment, that's what credit cards are for. (laughs) Thanks, capitalism. We're all in debt. (laughs) Woohoo! It's a capitalism party. Hi, everybody. Uh, I'm sure you're also in debt. Join the club. Maybe I should just join or like create a podcast for um, people who are buried in debt. Yeah. I'm sure that already exists. And you'll probably tweet me a million podcasts yeah. that are like already doing that. I don't care. I'm going to do my own spin on it. Yeah. We can just call it How Fucked Are You? Right. <laughs> very. That's every uh, spoiler alert. Every episode will be very. Um, how are you other than uh, buried in debt? Uh, I'm great. Uh, the experience of having access to Filmstruck account has really changed my life for the better because I can find all of the best things. Uh, Filmstruck account? Filmstruck. It is a, it's like fancy Netflix. So Ooh. the Criterion Collection owns it. So if you go on, like when you go, it has like lots of classic movies, everything from like early cartoons, silent movies, um, tons of like arty uh, European cinema, you know, all of that stuff, but also like all kinds of other fun movies that you might have missed at different times. Very so. cool. We'll call it pretentious Netflix. Yeah, exactly. Well, I love, I love pretentious things. It is. It's so good. And yeah, it actually got movies in it. So it's like being, having access to like a cool video store, which is great. How much is it? Um, I actually don't know because I'm using somebody else's good account. Yeah. Good on you. Does anyone have an HBO Go password? <laughs> oh, dude, actually, I do. Do you? Yeah. Can I use it? Of course you can. Thank you. I don't actually, it's also not mine, but as until uh, my, until my ex decide, realizes that I'm still <laughs> using his HBO Go account, um, yeah, people should just I take just advantage. I that we're, I, pr- there's probably one actual HBO account and we're all just mooching off of it. Well, I mean, there was a while when HBO Go and HBO Now were advertising specifically for the, like, like recognizing that they know the kids use their parents. Hey, Brokey Brooks. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, yeah, we know you're stealing somebody else's account, but we don't care. Just somebody sign up. Oh, we're probably doing that because uh, premium cable is stupidly priced. Yeah, it is. Really. Harley just oh, ran hello, into the Harley. Yeah. Wow. And immediately beelined for your lap. Yeah. She knows what's up. She was not fucking around. Mm-mm. I lo- My favorite thing that I've noticed Harley does is sometimes she visits me in the morning mm-hmm. and I'll hear her nails on the floor. Yeah. But she's too little to jump up on my bed and then she'll leave. And then later in the day, I've noticed she left her toy in my room <gasps> as like a gift. Oh. Yeah. Uh, I know. She it's knew so you might sweet. need something when you got up. Yeah. <laughs> Did you give me a present? Thank you. Oh, I love her so much. So while we're in the pop culture section, Meredith, I know you recently saw something that I don't know if you want to recommend so I, much yeah. as talk about. I, I just need to talk about it. Okay. I Yeah. I can't necessarily say that I recommend it because there is, you know, it is a deeply disturbing film uh, with a lot of like very upsetting sort of, I mean, definitely like trigger warning for uh, violence, sexual violence, uh, blasphemy, et cetera. Although I don't know if you really need a trigger warning for blasphemy unless you're... God, at this point, I would be amazed if we didn't need one. But Uh, maybe someone's new to the game. They mm -hmm. don't know what's up. Yeah. Uh, It's called The Devils from 1971. And it's directed by a man named Ken Russell, who also directed um, the film version of Women in Love, the super homoerotic D.H. Lawrence book. Uh, So there's a naked wrestling scene, one of the first movies where you actually get to see penises uh, in an art film. And then uh, he also directed uh, The Who's Tommy. So he's one of, he's definitely like a weirdo. But the film is based on a real priest who was burned at the stake for being a heretic and for, uh, and a uh, servant of the devil. After a bit of satanic panic overtook this small French town. Is it um, weird that I'm so used to hearing about women being burnt at the stake that I'm like, good for them. Yeah, yeah, They yeah. were equal about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they definitely burn the men as well. We're gonna burn the women. Burn um, the men. But in the film, it's like super, like it takes place, like the sets are all super minimalist and it makes it look like a 70s sci-fi movie because it's like tons. Rooms. <laughs> So many white rooms. <laughs> Everything is like white rooms, white walls, like lots of brutalist design. Uh, so this like louche, like 
you know, debauched priest gets into a power struggle with some local aristocrats and with Cardinal Richelieu, uh, the man otherwise played, you would know from playing Tim, by Tim Curry in the early 90s Three Musketeers movie. Okay. Um, so he becomes the target of the lust of this uh, neurotic hunchback nun named Sister Jeanne, okay. who... Uh, is, this is um, already the craziest thing I've ever heard. Yeah. So her, like, she has a lot of weird sexual hallucinations. Like, he gets down, like, he's Jesus on the cross, and she's, like, Mary Magdalene, and he, like, comes down off the cross, and then they start making out, and she licks his stigmata. It's really creepy. Wow. Um, and so then there's, like, lots of torture, and this guy that looks like he should be in, uh, like, hanging out in Haight-Ashbury, like, with the little, like, John Lennon round sunglasses <laughs> yeah, and long yeah. hair, uh, big flowing capes. He's the witch hunter. Things get crazy, and I did not see this. Like, all of the nuns go nuts, and suddenly you have all of these, like, naked, flailing nuns having, like, a weird orgy in the church. Sure. Uh, eventually, things get crazier and crazier. And people He's found like, this offensive? Yeah, yeah. Weird. Um, okay. So, all you know, things get wilder and wilder and wilder. The priest is eventually burned at the stake. It's really fucked up. Um, and... You know, there's there's a big show trial. You know, you have all of the like witch trial stuff. Sure, um, classic trip. Yeah. So the things that really strike me about this is this is the uh, they forced the director to cut several scenes <laughs> after the movie was released. Oh my god, what did he cut? In order to get an X rating. <laughs> well, at that point, why? Uh, I mean, I mean, other than that, maybe it would be banned entirely. It was already it was banned yeah. in in dozens of countries around yeah. the world. Um, the church was up in arms, so he cut huge amounts of it. Eventually, a film critic found the lost scenes or most of the lost scenes in a warehouse. So they've restored most of it, but the two, there are two scenes that don't play in their entirety in the streaming version. One of which is referred to as the rape of Christ scene. Oh boy. Where during the satanic uh, black mass, the culmination of the black mass in the Ursuline convent, uh, all of the nuns are having a crazy orgy and they take a crucifix down off of the altar and start fucking it. Oh, okay. Now it's a party. Yeah. Uh, so you don't see that anymore. I can't imagine why. Man. <laughs> Although, frankly, as a friend of mine asked me last night when I was talking to her about it, she said, but does the statue have a dick? Right. <laughs> Great question. Um, and then the other uh, is a scene where the the sister, the nun who starts this whole panic, after the priest has been burned at the stake, the aristocrat that led this uh, persecution comes to see her, shows her that essentially like all of her, you know, that she's been used, she was a tool of his vendetta. Um, and then he throws a charred tibia bone at her and says, here's a souvenir. But in the original version, she uses it to masturbate. Oh, man. And uh, yeah, so... Listen, I'm no prude, but I get why people would be a tad shocked by a lot of that. Mm -hmm. Remember, 1971. But they weren't ready. Yeah. I'm not ready, and it's 2018. I know. All of this is to say it's really, truly one of the strangest movies. Oh, and at one point, the priest throws a crocodile out a window. Why? Why is... Why is there a crocodile? <laughs> Why is the priest throwing it out the window? I'm sorry, I snorted a little bit because it's just too, it's just, it brings me so much joy. Uh, he goes to visit a woman, uh, like a, a young woman has him come up to her hovel where her mother is dying of plague. Sure. This demented surgeon and demented chemist, both of whom participate in torturing people later because who can trust this the charlatan scientists of the 17th century. Sure. So they've got leeches and wasps and they're burning her and she's in great pain. And he's, the priest comes in, he starts freaking out. He starts tearing the little like jars off of her body where they've got the, you know, resting uh, and where they're cupping her. And then he shouts and he says something about a crocodile because apparently there was supposed to be medicinal value to the crocodile being there. Okay. It's unclear, but he freaks out grabs the crocodile off the bed and then throws it uh, like out I the see. window. So it's a smaller crocodile. It's a smaller crocodile. Okay. And so, it, yes. is, is it a prop crocodile? It definitely is. It's not okay. a real crocodile. It's like a r rubber yeah. sort of. Um, okay. He then later picks the crocodile back up and uses it to fight the aristocrat that's coming to Wait a mess with him. Okay, hold on. He picks up the crocodile. Wait, yeah. Where's the crocodile now? It's on the ground. On, so when he outside. leaves, he goes outside, he's trying to get back to the he abbey. He picks up the crocodile and is the guy it pulls like out a sword and then tries to, and then he picks up the crocodile and then breaks. Breaks the okay, sword I on have the crocodile. So many questions. Yeah. Is he swinging it around like yes. a mallet? Yeah. 
Oh, uh, incredible. Incredible. So there's just so much going on in this movie that I feel like I would be doing a disservice to listeners and humans everywhere by not recommending at least I mean, looking for some yeah, bits of it. Yeah, it sounds like there are incredible parts. Oh, yeah. You just also have to watch, I don't know, blasphemous pornography? Yeah, and, and a bunch of medieval torture and yes. implied, like, with all of the implied sexual violation that also went along with that. Sure. So you, there are some scenes that are definitely, they were too much for triggery. me and I had, yeah, very yeah. triggery. But I also just think there's so much value Watch to this Watch a guy use a crocodile film. as a weapon. Don't see that every day. No, you really don't. By the way, I was really appreciating your um, mommy reflexes when it comes to dogs. Mm-hmm. Harley ran in here, immediately tried to eat Meredith's tissue, and you kept just like moving it slightly out of her range. <laughs> like, no, you don't. No, no, no. Because dogs will eat everything, guys. They really were. They're, they're garbage monsters. And then their little tummies hurt. And I it's sad. Know. And you do not, like, Harley's too small for this tissue. It would be a very difficult situation. True. Yeah. I was going to ask you for your other recommendations, but I want you to save some for hour two i have a recommendation i flew through season one american vandal oh yes i had never seen it absolute classic everyone told me it was like a pitch perfect genre satire which it is but no one told me how fucking funny it is oh god i like it's so perfect it it's is so good. It is so, so funny. It's so effective as a genre satire that I got invested in the fake story. I know. I was really curious about who drew the dicks. Yes. By the end of it, I was so invested. I was like, man, this is going to be incredible. I know. I did it. Also, the guy that plays the main suspect oh. is Baby perfect. Channing Tatum, you mean? I, yeah. Yeah. He yeah. is so wonderful. He is... People think it's really easy to play a dumb character, but no. it's actually not. <laughs> no, and I've never seen someone play that kind of dumb so perfectly. Oh, he's it was perfect. so good. I was looking at his IMDb page. Actually, let me look up his name so we're not just calling him that guy. Um, and he was in a movie with Channing Tatum. Oh my God. And I was like, how did I not miss baby Channing Tatum in a movie with Channing Tatum? Um, so his name is, uh, Jimmy Tatro, 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 probably, probably, yeah, uh, and he was in, uh, 22 Jump Street. Oh, yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah, he played, (laughs) man, did 22 Jump Street come out that long ago? It did. It did, yeah. Rooster. Mm-hmm. I don't remember who Rooster was, but he was. I mean, Rooster. he's probably some sort of frat bro. Rooster sounds like a frat bro name. Yeah. So I started. Man, I hate this thing that Netflix does, which is if you click on a show you've never watched before, it shows you the most recent season of it. Mm-hmm. Oh, I hate. I that. don't it's care for that, and too. I always forget, especially if I am forgetting I'm watching season two or uh, I'm watching a show with two seasons. So I forgot American Vandal had a second season. So I clicked on it and it started to play the second season. And I was like, oh, fuck. So I stopped it, watched all of season one. And now I started season two, um, which is good. And they kind of do this funny thing where, you know, I'm an asshole. So I like to poke holes in, in a plot. Which is important. Yeah. And I was watching season one and I was like, this was supposed to be made by two kids, but the production value is very good. And in season two, they explain that the reason it looks really good is Netflix bought it from them yep. and added all of those cool like tracking shots and really cool graphics and stuff like that because their original Vimeo version was very rough. Yeah. I was like, they thought of everything. So mm-hmm. good. Yeah. I really, I respect those filmmakers. I think the kids are all great and I'm excited. I haven't started the second season yet. It's I'm cute. Waiting, they have like the second season, they've like become celebrities. And so they have them on like the Daily Show. and it's But it's the kids, you know, right. obviously not the adult creators of it. Uh, yeah. Everybody who's cast is pitch perfect. Oh, it is so funny though. And I feel like I didn't even hear that from other funny people. They were just like, yeah, you know, the genre commitment is so good. It's hysterical. Like, tell me it's funny and I'll watch it. Yeah. Like, if you tell me it's, like, a good genre satire, I'll get to it eventually. But if you tell me it's just fucking hilarious, I'll watch it immediately. (laughs) You're like, if somebody had... I just can't... Your friends really fell down on this one because how could anyone not 
realize that you would respond immediately to yeah and then there's like a really long careful analysis of like this different the subtle differences in the dicks on the cars versus the dicks that he draws one has like, ball ball hairs and the other doesn't that it's a critical difference yeah and like the ball hair is an important calling card for his dicks because you just need to add that detail or how about the stoner explanation of the plot of inception <laughs> it was insane <laughs> i was like losing my mind i like started screaming and screaming screenshotting it i'm like this is the funniest thing i've ever seen oh guys it's so good and uh, yeah it's like someone was trying to get me to watch the good place and they were like yeah the cgi is really good like you wouldn't sell the good place saying the cgi is good you'd be like it's fucking hilarious ted dance it's a miracle Uh, (laughs) such a miracle such a miracle in that role come on um so what else did i oh and i think i've talked about this before on the show I'm listening to Serial season three, and I don't know if I can recommend it um, be, for reasons I've talked about before on the show, which is I find Sarah Koenig's forced sort of, I'm ignorant and I don't really know, is this person racist or are they not, thing very tiresome. And I understand why she's doing it because NPR can't just be like, this person's racist because yeah. <laughs> they'll get in trouble. Um, I get why she does it. It's just, excruciating to listen to for me personally but i will say season three is way better than season two season two i didn't finish no i thought it was really boring and it was a long trailer for that film yeah um and like the the i mean not to cast stones because you know sound engineering is a tricky thing but the sound quality was not good and all of that stuff uh season three is way better than that and it, but it is also infuriating to listen to because I don't know. Have you been listening to it? I haven't, but I know like just the given. Gist. Yeah, I know the gist, and I know that they did spend a whole year, so I think that yes. changed. Like it also gave them better opportunities. Yeah. Would give them better opportunities to actually craft a story and figure out yes. what they're looking at. Whereas in the second season, they were doing it as the trial was going on, and they didn't know what they right. were working with, and it made it a hell of a lot harder for them to actually right. go through and cover things. Yeah. So this is like sort of a deep dive into the minutia of everyday happenings in courthouses yes. all across the world or the, the country mm-hmm. and they they've based it in ohio because yes. it's one of the only places where you can actually record in a courtroom sometimes uh sarah Kane got kicked out of a courtroom in one of the episodes well yeah. um and that's because they were being very shady and trying to prevent the media from knowing what was going on so that was sort of a like oh shit moment but it is she gets like a lot of access to judges and the heads of police unions and they are very honest Mm -hmm. when they talk to her in a way that is shocking in a way that you would think someone would have coached them not to say certain things yeah like maybe not call uh tamir rice's mother a bad mother and it was her fault that her son yelled maybe don't say that in front of somebody with a recorder but just think about how awful most statements to the public uh, from like the police benevolent association in New York city are, I mean like, especially with police unions, they're like not afraid at all. Yeah. They know there'll be no consequences. Exactly. Um, And, but also like uh, lawyers being very honest about why they tell their, their clients to take deals, even if they have been completely wronged by police and very badly beaten for really minor drug offenses. Yeah. Cause they're like, if I get a posse and we march down to the police station, nothing gets changed and my client gets thrown under the bus. Yep. So they're like thinking on a minute by minute basis mm-hmm. where they're like, how do I just protect my client yeah. in this rigged system? And they're like, yeah, it is fucked up. But that's why so many, I mean, that's the, you know, lawyers have been saying this for years now that the, the system is set up to force people who are innocent to take plea deals mm-hmm. because the cost and the, the horror of actually going through a trial is like, absolutely scarring and there's always a really good chance that you still get screwed yep exactly uh guys it's that time of the episode let's all hold hands and cry here is your bad news What were you going to say? I was going to say, I will say the bad news section does go better with Harley in my lap. It does. I was just saying when I was introducing the bad news section, Harley looks so sad. Like she knew what was happening. Yeah. No, not the bad news. Don't worry. We end with the good news, Harley. 
Do you listen to Light Trees and News? I bet she does. Absolutely. So, uh, first up in bad news, I wanted to talk about climate change. Guys, this article made me literally cry. Oh, boy. So, last month, this is from the New York Times, or Washington Post, by the way. Uh, Last month, deep in a 500-page environmental impact statement, the Trump administration made a startling assumption On its current course, the planet will warm a disastrous seven degrees by the end of this century. And that's seven degrees Fahrenheit, which is four degrees Celsius, which is considered the doomsday threshold Mm -hmm. for like catastrophic, irreversible, horrifying, world changing levels of warming and uh, and like other climate changes. Yeah. And I know seven degrees doesn't sound like a lot, but it is a lot. If you could think of like the earth as like a body, uh, because it is, it's like an ecosystem. So if you think of it as like your own body, if your body goes up seven degrees, you're literally dead. You're dead. So it's more like that. Yeah. Um, And this is uh, my favorite bit in this article is, so this environmental impact statement was written and submitted in the argument in their as they're making the argument against the Obama era right. fuel efficiency standards because as in yeah. their argument is we're fucked. They're like we're fucked anyway. Yeah. So there's no point in keeping these stricter standards because ultimately it's only going to be a small drop in the bucket that will have no impact. Yeah, which okay, I think we have to be realistic when it comes to climate change in in so much as saying we probably will see a lot of the consequences of climate change that we've been talking about. Um, We've seen a lot of it already, but it will be escalated. Yes. But we're trying to mitigate some of the worst consequences of climate change. Also, we should be trying to to mitigate literally any consequences of climate change, no matter how Mm -hmm. small, because we have not, we don't have enough information. We have no way of knowing how this is actually going to play out. So assuming anything is a recipe for disaster, the, uh, I mean, things are already just catastrophically worse Mm -hmm. than any predictions that any scientists have had in the history of studying climate change. So the idea that we would say, oh yeah, well, it's just good. We know it's already going to be bad. So why bother? Like, I mean, that's also just like the world's most white male <laughs> attitude to something this bad. Like, yeah, it's I don't know, guys. The, the like, fuck you, I got mine at it. Uh, oh, attitude yeah. Where it's like, fuck you, I've made my fortune. Thank you, capitalism. We've yeah. wrecked the planet, but my family will be protected behind uh, the gates of our community. We'll have private police. I don't know if anybody out here saw the, um, the George Romero uh, movie that was. I think it was Land of the Dead with Dennis Hopper, mm. where all of the rich people live in one high-rise building and like are fortified against the zombies, yeah. and then uh, the like the hot like rebel raiders end up like <laughs> having to fight off so the zombies hot. in there. Yeah. Oh, I think it's you know it's the guy who played the Mentalist is the is like one of the raiders, okay. and that guy is hot <laughs> AF. Like, listen. Sometimes CBS gets it right, and when it comes to Mark Harmon and that guy, (laughs) well done, dudes. Let's look on the bright side of things, right? The world's ending, but we'll get hot raiders out of it. I mean, yeah. So there we go. Yeah, I mean, I I actually have heard a lot of people on the left say this, too, where they're like, it's too late, you know? Yeah. Which is, listen, if you ever hear yourself siding with the Trump administration. Yeah. <laughs> that I mean, fuck, also, fuck it attitude is an extremely privileged stance to take. And we can be pessimistic about the ultimate ability to to like triumph over this thing. Sure. I mean, ultimately, whatever it, of society exists after a bunch of horrible things happen are going to have to is going to have to adapt. But that doesn't absolve us of our responsibility mm-hmm. to do better. I mean, we may well be fucked, but the whole point of being a progressive is that it doesn't matter how bad it is. It's still our responsibility to try and help make things right. as good as possible. To, to do, do everything we can in our own personal lives and, yeah. and trying to trying to do the right thing. Yeah. And uh, I mean, it's a global problem and our individual actions like, yes, recycling doesn't end up working and mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But these things like can't, you know, we can't hide behind, oh, well, I'm buying organic or I'm doing this or what you know I'm not I eating think meat positive like, thoughts yeah this is like it. it is going to take a lot more but 
none of that's we're not going to get to the part where we're doing a global collective response mm -hmm. if we don't pick up that you know pick right. up that slack so in similar news did you see this article about the uh, methane lakes in oh, the arctic i didn't but i have i definitely follow very closely every time there's a giant sinkhole full of methane that opens mm -hmm. in the taiga in the tundra in siberia so yep what up so uh there are methane lakes in the arctic spouting carbon trapping gas into the atmosphere like actually bubbling lakes that's how rapidly mm -hmm. uh the the methane is being released and we have no idea how much methane is actually trapped underneath the surface of the earth in places like uh the arctic or in any frozen ground so we don't actually know how much yes. carbon trapping gas is going to be released so we have no way of predicting exactly how, how much yeah. this is going to impact uh, the increase in parts per million in the in the atmosphere. So this, yet again, is from the Washington Post, and I'm going to read a couple excerpts from it. Set against the austere peaks of the Western Brooks Range, the lake, about 20 football fields in size, looked as if it was boiling. Its waters hissed, bubbled, and popped as a powerful greenhouse gas escaped from the lake bed. Some bubbles grew as big as grapefruits, visibly lifting the water's surface several inches and carrying up bits of mud from below. This was methane. As the permafrost thaws across the fast-warming Arctic, it releases carbon dioxide, the top planet-warming greenhouse gas from the soil into the air. Sometimes that thaw spurs the growth of lakes in the soft, sunken ground, uh, ground and these deep thaw thawing bodies of water tend to unleash the harder-hitting methane gas. But not this much of it. This lake, which Walter Anthony dubbed how would we pronounce this? Isa Lake? Isa Lake? Oh, wait, let me see. Uh, beep, beep, beep. Isia. Uh, Isia Lake looked uh, different. And the volume of gas wafting from it could deliver the climate system another blow if lakes like this turned out to be widespread. But this is the part of the story that's most amazing. Uh, one thing she was sure of, if the warming Arctic releases more planet-warming methane, that could lead to more warming. Scientists call this a feedback loop. These lakes speed up permafrost thaw, Walter Anthony said. It's an acceleration. There was only so much, of, uh, so much the team would learn from the instruments they had hauled here. To get a first-hand look, they would have to get in. So they brought out their wetsuits, and they got in. <laughs> oh, God. Um, so... Yeah, that that's the uh, the really scary thing where it's like, so we don't know how much methane's being released, but we know that the methane will accelerate climate change. So, if there's way more methane than anybody <laughs> thought, how much will that accelerate it? Um, and that's why it's accelerating things at this point. Uh, but yeah, holy shit, holy shit, holy shit. I just don't even have a good response to this because yeah, we are. Watching scientists bust their asses to show to people who give no fucks. Yeah, I think that's what's most frustrating because the scientists actually did an incredible job yeah. where they warned everybody about climate change so long ago. So long ago. So long ago. You know who knew about it first, though? ExxonMobil. <laughs> yeah. Remember the last time we were talking about climate change and I went on a long rant about how we should just nationalize, not nationalize, but just straight up seize the means of all oil companies and then that, destroy yes. them? Yeah. Once again, the only way we're going to stop this is if we just destroy these companies and uh, lock the people who are in charge of those decision makings uh, away somewhere. Like, don't get me wrong. I understand that the problem is vast and that dismantling capitalism isn't an easy thing. Mm -hmm. But, like, say, take, for example... We just have to dismantle this one industry. We don't even have to dismantle all, the, of, all capital. of capitalism. Good point. Good point. We just need to stop but, this but one. But that, you know, the oil industry is, is perceived, I think, accurately as the driving force yes. behind capitalism. Yeah. So that would be a big thing in itself. But... Like, when it became clear that the tobacco industry knew that they were killing people and mm -hmm. that they were killing people, that was a big fucking deal. Yeah. Well, and we already have the proof that the oil industry did the exact same thing yeah. and we're not treating it like... The so, like, we're not why treating is the, the health same. of individuals taken more seriously than the health of the entire planet? 
I mean, I think it's a change in the way that we've decided, like we've gone back to a system where we believe that billionaires and companies exist on merit. Also, the fact that global, uh, you know, the the results aren't the same as watching people mm. lose their voice boxes and shit. Mm-hmm. Um, also, uh, the tobacco industry has been coming back. Oh, yeah. With stuff also, like and, and I mean, I guess it's important to say poor countries I was gonna and say also like, vaping. And, they just yeah. shifted their focus to developing economies yeah. uh, rather than continuing to work in uh, in West, in like the West and the yeah. you know more guys don't vape. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Seriously, if only because like when you're jeweling, you are giving some very bad people a lot of money, and they're banking on that because young people almost entirely stopped smoking. Yeah, and then they created jeweling, and yeah. then it suddenly came roaring back. So don't do that shit. Yeah, which is why they're fucking banning it. And yeah, you know, good. <laughs> uh, so also in bad news. The Trump administration is getting ready to deny visas to same-sex partners of diplomats. Um, so the new policy will insist that these individuals be married, even if they're from countries that criminalize gay marriage, which is sort of a catch Is most of them, yeah. because it's pretty... I mean, oh, the I only... Say it's it's yeah. diplomats and UN and officials. They only just decriminalized or... or lifted the ban on gay marriage in India. I mean, Mm. this is, in most countries in the world, it's super dangerous to be gay. And, of course, they would do this. I kind of wonder if this kind of attitude is something that would end up, like, leading the UN to leave the US. You know? To, like, kick us out? No, I mean, to, like, relocate the headquarters. Oh, yeah. I mean, I don't see how... Okay, so what the Trump administration is claiming is that this is an effort to bring it's international visa practices in line with current U.S. policy. Yeah, which is... or uh, no. Sorry. So the U.S. mission to the U.N. portrayed right. this decision as an effort to bring its international visa practices in line with current U.S. policy, which is, like, true, but also how do you get around that being a human rights violation? It is a human rights violation. So... <laughs> if you're the UN and you claim that you're concerned with human rights violations, yeah, like maybe the UN will just have to be like, we have to go. It could be like, you know what, guys? Ireland's looking real good right now. They yeah. like, you know, they like gay people. They're mm-hmm. not, you know, not so bad. I don't know. I just assume that like everybody's going to go kick it in Ireland now because they I'll keep go. passing good go? stuff. Should we go? Yeah, Let's all we go. go. Guys, we'll meet in Ireland <laughs> By the Blarney Stone. Uh, <laughs> don't kiss the Blarney Stone. The locals piss on it. Uh, but we'll meet there. Yeah. I mean, it, it is... There's also such a, a really sinister element to the UN, like the mission to the UN's argument that it is to bring their visa policy in line with their po- like current US policy, which is saying, yeah, we have decided that we hate these people and we want to make people suffer because we are bigots and now we want to make sure that it is like we are consistently hateful to everyone no matter what their level of privilege Mm. um that's how much they're dedicated to being cruel Mm -hmm. and that's the part like i don't know that part really just bought like bothers me even more it's like yes it sucks that a diplomat with a same-sex partner would have more access to travel or rights. But at the same time, like, their fucking job is to travel around the world and try and make sure that we don't descend into a world war. Why should their partners be forced to suffer? I mean, it's it's like don't ask, don't tell, but for fucking diplomacy. Right. Yeah, and it makes... Like, remember when Trump tweeted where he's like, I look forward to my commitment to the LGBT community. <laughs> Ivanka, where's Ivanka? She loves gay people so much. Oh, I know. I'm sure she loves her hairdresser. Why didn't she stop this? Her her design team, yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, Well, she did shut down her brand, so. That's true. Maybe she's uh, anti-gay people now because she's like, Mm -hmm. well, they're not doing anything for me. So Mm -hmm. they got to go. Also, guys, uh, (laughs) Brett Kavanaugh. Oh, man. Turns out he's a little liar. Who could have predicted it? Um, More of his Yale classmates are coming forward to be like, oh, yeah, he was a sloppy, violent drunk. Yeah. (laughs) And I mean, my favorite bit about this is, yes, we can get to that, but 
also today's story about how he once had a run in with the cops because he got into a drunken brawl at a UB40 concert. Oh, I had to look up who UB40 was. Red, red one. Oh, that's them. Stay close to me. Okay. Yeah, that one. Okay. Now we'll see if we get taken off the air. I, uh, I doubt it. Uh, Taylor Swift is one thing. Um, but. Yeah. Also, I sing so badly, I can't imagine that they'd actually know that I was trying <laughs> I don't know. to sing that song. It was song. wacky that they found the first one. <laughs> so his classmate, Chad uh, Ludington, who said he frequently socialized with Kavanaugh as a student, said that the judge had been untruthful in his testimony when he denied any possibility that he ever blacked out from drinking. Mr. Ludington said that Kavanaugh had played down the degree and frequency of his drinking and that the judge had often become belligerent and aggressive while intoxicated. Other former classmates have made similar claims. Yeah, he was a he was a big old mess. Yeah. Also, is this the first time in the history of America where there's a hero to the story named Chad? <laughs> yeah, Finally, the Chads of America are stepping up. Yeah. Uh, if any more Chads want to come forward and blast Kavanaugh, you too can be a hero. Um, so, also... Uh, it has come to light that there are text messages that suggest Kavanaugh wanted to refute his accuser's claim before it became public, which sort of goes to show that it did happen. If he knew exactly what Deborah Ramirez was going to say, and he started immediately texting his old buddies to oh, be yeah. like, hey, 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 we got to circle the wagons. Because, like, guys, uh, you remember that thing that you don't remember? Yep, yeah, that thing that didn't happen, wink, wink, wink. Yeah, uh, we, we got to all say it didn't happen again. Right. Um, you definitely mm -hmm. never saw me put my penis on someone. Right, I, I never did that. Remember how I never did that? Also, I got into Yale on merit. Okay, so my grandfather well. has nothing to do with it. <laughs> I'm not a legacy. I worked very hard when I was doing keg stands. Um, yeah, so also I just want to say, because there were some conservatives saying this on Twitter, banning alcohol would not fix the epidemic of rape, everyone. <laughs> no, absolutely not. Prohibition like, will not stop anything bad. Yeah, I'm all for banning frats. Oh, yeah, 100%. But make it harder for assholes to congregate sure. in one place. That's fine. But out, like banning alcohol is not going to stop that. Right. It's also like, be a normal human being and just make friends. Why yeah. do you need to join a frat? The frat guys who are like, but brotherhood. It's like, are you so socially inept? You can't just go out and make friends? Maybe. But then work on yourself, dude. Well, and I, like, I keep thinking about how... Didn't another one of his friends say that Brett wanted to be the guy that got the girl, but he never was, and that always made him really frustrated? Sure. And I'm like, yeah, that's, uh, that's what we call incel rage. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so yeah, banning alcohol wouldn't fix anything. We already tried that with prohibition. It was a dumb, dumb idea. We should not do it again. Uh, alcohol doesn't make people uh, rape each other. No. Uh, rapists rape people. It, it also doesn't make them, it doesn't automatically make them violent if they don't have the attitude and the entitlement that makes them think that they're allowed to use physical force when something upsets them. Oh my God, I pitched a sketch uh, Recently, that will not get picked up by any of the writers, <laughs> but I thought it was so funny where I wanted a PSA for the drunk guys who Meredith showing me a cover of Vanity Fair with Michael B. Jordan on it. <laughs> Sorry, just needed to make you feel better. You just like slowly turn that at me, and I was like, what is this? It's just Michael B. Jordan looking super yummy. Um, Sorry to interrupt the bad news, guys. <laughs> <laughs> that was good. I, I needed a, a pick-me-up. So I pitched this idea where I wanted a PSA for all of the drunk dudes out there who, when they get drunk, just like pass out and get a dick drawn on their face yeah. or like eat pizza in bed <laughs> or like cry. Fall asleep next to a, <laughs> yeah, like, a Subway sub. Like, 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 won't you think of the frat boys who just go to sleep when they're drunk? And I thought it was such a funny idea. And uh, my director was like, you know, it's kind of a tumultuous time right now to try something like that. And I was like, I think it's so fucking funny because there are guys out there who drink a lot and don't hurt anybody. And yeah. like, shouldn't they be, be mad at Kavanaugh too? Like, hey dude, you're giving the harmless binge drinkers a bad name. Absolutely. You're doing all this. Yeah. So it's not going to get made. So I thought I would just talk about it on mm -hmm. the show. Um, guys, it's that time of the show. Let's all jump up and down for hot hot Michael B. Jordan on the cover of, was it Vanity, Vanity Fair? Vanity Fair, yeah. Looking 
So nice. He's like half submerged in water. It's a good time, guys. Go Google it. Here's your good news. Woo! Meredith is just slowly scrolling through the article uh, with of Michael B. Jordan going so pretty. It's just so <laughs> I pretty. apologize for nothing. <laughs> you shouldn't. <laughs> I saw another photo and it's a very good photo shoot. They done good. So, oh, I have another celebrity good news thing. Oh yeah. So uh, Venom is coming out this week. So yes. Tom Hardy's doing a ton of interviews, and people have wise the fuck up to the reality that you just need to put him in a room full of dogs. Oh my God, yeah. This is like uh, the, yeah, Tom Hardy plus puppies equals solid gold. Yeah, he's also, um, he can be very awkward in interviews and sort mm-hmm. of curmudgeon but he loves dogs, so it like puts him at ease. So mm-hmm. it's like if you want a good interview with him, just put him in a room full of dogs. So anyway, he did some PSA for um, a... Um, a pound, an animal like um, like an animal rescue, like rescue. shelter. Yeah, thank you. That's the term I'm looking for. And had him read a bunch of puppies' profiles that need to be adopted, and then gave him like something to tell the dog, like <laughs> like what's your favorite snack and stuff like that. So like he was having a conversation with dogs, and I was like, this is the best thing I've ever seen. I so, need it in my life immediately. Go YouTube that. It's incredible. Go Google Michael B. Jordan's photo shoot with Vanity Fair. Those are two good news things you can do yeah. with hot, hot men. Well, let's see, the other, the the, uh, the cover story is not just about him being in Black Panther and being perfect in Creed 2 coming out. It's sure. also about his uh, moving into becoming a movie mogul. He's got his own studio. Dope. Uh, that is, and I think the person, the woman who runs it or is some sort of high level is... Um, Lena Waithe's partner. Okay. So he's got like a black lesbian Ugh. running his shit, but also he's got full commitment to like uh, inclusion writer, like oh, parody best, on uh, on crews for the movies Ugh. they're producing, uh, actually creating equality and like representation like in the production of the films, like as a thing that they start doing in, from so the beginning. Excited. So it's him talking about his dream of like becoming a you know, yeah. producing the sort of like producing superstar who also, also brings if great you stuff. never saw Creed, oh my god, watch it! It's so good. It is such a fucking good movie. Yeah, and I can't, I really can't fully explain to you how much I don't care about Rocky. Oh yeah, it's at not, all. It, you, but also you don't have to care no, about. No, that's Rocky. the thing. It stands on its own. Yeah, and you don't really need to know much of the mythology because as soon as they drop it in, you can just tell that like somebody from Philadelphia who like gets the heart of the city and gets these neighborhoods actually made a film that like oh, when he's just, just running through the neighborhood and, and the, the kids, kids are, on the dirt bikes oh, are just surrounding him I was so like oh good. my god <laughs> chills so if you've seen the movie you know what we're talking about yeah. and you get it and also Tessa Thompson killing it in another role she's so, so fucking yeah. good in everything mm-hmm. oh, yeah. she's just the best so I wanted to shout out women who are harassing uh, Congress representatives right now, yeah. namely the awful men who broed out with Brett Kavanaugh and didn't ask him any tough questions and now are probably going to vote for him to be to get a lifetime appointment to the Supreme Court. So most of you have probably seen the elevator moment that I'm going to talk about. Um, a woman... Um, confronted it was two women two women confronted uh jeff flake inside an elevator when he was desperately trying to get away from them um anna maria uh achila who's a self-described actress activist from new york city told cnn she was sexually assaulted when she was five years old she had been to flake's office on monday hoping to see him but could not so she revealed the story of her attack to flake's staffers instead Um, And Maria Gallagher, 23, a recent graduate from Virginia, who said she had never spoken publicly about her own sexual assault uh, until she confronted Jeff Flake on the elevator. So about five minutes before the Senate Judiciary Committee was scheduled to vote, um, everybody got messages on their phones, emailed to them that Jeff Flake would support Brett Kavanaugh. And he had sort of been like, 
on the fence for yeah. a while before that. He and Murkowski and Collins are the three that haven't really, right. you know, committed because yeah. they like attention mm-hmm. uh, before they vote for him. So immediately, uh, Archila and Gallagher uh, gasp, becoming very emotional. Then, like, immediately, they spotted Flake darting from his office with a few staffers and heading down the hall. So everybody takes off after him. Uh, They caught up to him just as he was getting into the the elevator. The doors were closing, and Archila literally and figuratively put her foot down, causing the doors to open. Um, So then Flake is just stuck there. And she unloads on him. She goes, you have children in your family. Think about them. I have two children. I cannot imagine that for the next 50 years, they will have to have someone in the Supreme Court who has been accused of violating a young girl. What are you doing, sir? And then Gallagher jumps in. I was sexually assaulted and nobody believed me. I didn't tell anyone. And you're telling all women that they don't matter and that they should just stay quiet because... If they tell you what happened to them, you're going to ignore them. That's what happened to me, and that's what you're telling all women in America, that they don't matter. Um, So then they take turns confronting him. The elevator starts buzzing. His aides are, like, trying to push any button that'll make the doors close because they also don't, like, want to touch these women. No. So they're just, like, hoping that there's some magical button. Um, But it was incredible to see a senator have to actually confront the human it's like hey fucker like i'm one of the people that you just voted against now you have to deal with me and he's trapped he can't go anywhere and this has been happening a lot lately i was gonna say yeah it also happened with uh mitch mcconnell who was a fucking asshole uh to a group of um sexual assault victims who tried to confront him um he didn't respond at all at them, but he did briefly, briefly pause to shake the hand of a male onlooker. Um, so then there was somebody, hold on, I was trying well, to- Well, Lindsey Graham is the one that responded to the survivor where she was like, I was raped, what, is it, what do you, you know, he's like, I was sexually assaulted, and he was like, tell the cops. Okay. Oh, he said, I'm sorry that happened, you should tell the cops. Who was the asshole, that's terrible, who was the asshole who said, I know you're all enjoying this right now? Oh, I actually don't know. Oh, But basically saying that they're having like a fun time protesting. This is like a fun, yeah, this is like protesting is really fun, all of this is about, like, I'm just like reiterating that these guys think that this is all about getting attention and not about the being forced to relive horrific trauma. Right. Yeah, I mean, uh, on the one hand, I'm so glad that this needs to happen regularly. Like, every time these assholes try to walk in public, they should be confronted like this. Every single one of them. Um, But at the same time, it's so frustrating, and I feel so horrible for, you know, the women who are so routinely dismissed, like, in the cruelest possible way. Um, On a similar note, wanted to shout out the group of women who are occupying Joe Manchin's office. Joe Manchin is such a piece of shit, guys. In West Virginia, demanding a no vote on Brett Kavanaugh. Um, some of them, they're the members of Vote with West Virginia Women. They were live streaming their protests, sharing their experiences of sexual violence, as well as the stories other women have submitted to them. Uh, the police have reportedly been called, but the protesters say they don't plan on leaving until Manchin is a no vote on Kavanaugh. Um, later, the same staff members who had said the police were coming invited the women to continue to stay and share your stories. Yeah, I mean, can you imagine the the optics of having the cops haul away? I'm not saying they wouldn't do it, but a bunch of sexual assault victims. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I mean, this is the and that's the sort of hilarious thing. And it's what's especially disturbing when you think about it is that the cops didn't have any problem hauling disabled people out I was just of that, yeah. uh, congressional offices when they were protesting cuts to health care. Mm-hmm. And when you're dragging someone out of their wheelchair to throw them into a paddy wagon, like, yeah, that also somehow didn't seem to make much of a dent. But if you're going to arrest a bunch of white ladies, mm-hmm. like, that's something you just don't want to do. Although in West Virginia, I imagine that would play a lot worse than arresting someone in a wheelchair. Uh, yeah. You know, and... Uh, White women, we unfortunately have a lot of power uh, for that reason, where it's like, if you see a bunch of, like, white ladies being arrested, it has a special impact. Um, 
I probably shouldn't talk about this in the good news section, but I'll loop it back to something positive, which is these sort of actions by these women. Did you see the latest Kavanaugh poll that came out? I did, yeah. Okay, so basically the only group that has a majority favorable view of Kavanaugh are white people. Yep. And then when you break that down further, actually more white men oppose him than white women, which sounds impossible to me. But then again, I live in a bubble in New York City. I mean, we all live in bubbles, red bubbles and blue bubbles. But like my bubble is a very blue bubble in New York City. And I surround myself, myself, I like to think, with good white women who fucking hate Kavanaugh. A lot of them are the ones protesting him. Um, Gesundheit. Uh, are you allergic to terrible white women? I definitely am. <laughs> also cats. Oh, no. I can get you a Zyrtec. If you no, need it. it's fine. Uh, but, yeah, I But it, I, I am heartened by these women. They're not all white women, but there are a lot of white women uh, protesting Kavanaugh. Because I'm like, white women, we need to get our fucking shit together. Absolutely. We are the reason Trump got elected. We are also, yeah. And you know what? <laughs> This is not, it's like, we are not actually special. Like, the people that, you know, these women, we think that we're not. We are absolutely them. And these are, we need to be doing a better job. Yeah. And that's why people, like, and honestly, like, I don't think it's going to happen. But people like Manchin and Heidi Heitkamp from North Dakota just have to accept that it's time to take the L and let yourself not get reelected. Mm-hmm. Become a fucking lobbyist for some terrible company that you're already in bed with that's been supporting you your re-election anyway. campaigns. And then just like take one fucking moment yeah. to to like use your brain and your conscience and recognize that like just let yourself get voted out for doing one good thing. Right. Right. Yeah. I, I agree with you both in sentiment and the fact that it probably won't happen. <laughs> right. Because th- there's a good chance that both of them are going to lose anyway. So for right. Christ's sake, guys. Uh, also in good news, I wanted to talk about Reddit has quarantined the white oh, nationalists. Oh, so sad. <laughs> oh. Oh, my God. So um, I, I just thought, you know, anything that pisses off, uh, the white nationalists is good news. Um, so the quarantine affects the site's main meeting places for Holocaust deniers, men's rights activists, and sexless incels, as well as a number of subreddits related to white nationalism and the alt-right. The quarantine also affected at least one subreddit on the left. Oh, they got full communism. Oh. Unfair. And a number of gory subreddits, including several devoted to video, pictures, or audio, or people of dying. Why the fuck did full communism get swept up in that? Because they can't say it's just the right. They're like somebody I ha- don't on the know. left. Has to or go maybe there's somebody on there who's actually spewing some pretty like terrible Gross stuff. stuff. I mean, yeah. you can because there are. I think there are some people that sort of would hide behind the mantle of free, com- like full sure, communism, sure, to sure, sure. advocate for some some shitty violence. And Meredith, are you yeah. saying a white male would do that? I just yeah, I don't know. I, I guess know. I just have more faith in white males than you. Mm. Uh, a subreddit devoted to IRL streamer. Ice Poseidon, who streams his life online and is frequently pushed into bizarre or dangerous situations by his viewers, was also put behind the quarantine. So the quarantine doesn't just make anyone wanting to visit the forums read a disclaimer. It also prevents the subreddits from coming up in searches or appearing in in summaries of the most popular material on Reddit. The company also doesn't earn money from the quarantine subreddits, according to a Reddit statement. In at least one uh, in some cases, quarantined subreddits can only be viewed by users with registered accounts and valid emails. A huge setback for the subreddits since Reddit, Reddit users otherwise aren't required to register accounts. So that's a lot of this like bullshit can be done anonymously. So people yeah. are like, hey, I feel brave. Uh, nobody knows who I am. And now they have to register for accounts. And they're like, what? No. Yeah. On the internet, it is in fact possible for everyone to know you're a racist. You want my Christian name? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, it becomes more complicated then. So, uh, <laughs> I don't know. That's just my... I, I know. I just like your little sort of like cackle there. That's a good one. <laughs> yeah. Uh, do I have time for another one? No. Let's save these. Um, oh, wait. Did this go along with... Yes, I'll talk about it. Because it's about another brave woman. And she's awesome. Uh, so, uh, after watching the Kavanaugh hearing, uh, Candace Faber came forward with a rape allegation... Uh, of her own uh, about a state senator 
Um, and yeah, so I tweeted about it and I was like, hey, courage is actually contagious. That's awesome. Uh, she said she was raped by Joe Fain, a Republican state senator who represents a district south of Seattle in 2007 before he was elected to the state legislature in 2010. Yeah, I don't even have it. I mean, I think it's just incredibly brave of her to say this. Yes. I think that, you know, I'm so proud of her for being willing to just go out there and do it. And I think that this is one of those like the scorched earth Men should just be fucking afraid right now. And anytime I see something like this, I'm like, yeah, just like make him you know, make these people 100%. afraid that it's going to be your turn next to be na like called out for doing something like well, this. Well, also, it should be really heartening because even if the worst happens, which is Brett Kavanaugh gets a lifetime appointment to the Supreme Court, good things can come out of the fact that Blasey Ford testified. And yeah, I was talking with the, my friend last night about this, that I feel like I'm almost a little bit like I'm I have I'm on the other side age wise or sort of generationally to some of this stuff so there's plenty of things that I've put up with and yeah I'll talk about being assaulted or being mm -hmm. harassed but um the women who are angry right now the women who are really like picking up all of the really important work seem like they're young enough and dedicated enough that they're not going to let this go mm -hmm. that there is like we have we have reached a tipping point where yes. now there is no way to shut this down. Right. And no matter, like, even if Kavanaugh gets appointed, women aren't going to stop making this uncomfortable yeah. for people. And they're no longer going to, like, let other people's desire to not think about this yeah. stuff, uh, did it, like, dictate what, like, happens in public spaces. Right. And I'm like, if you vote to appoint a rapist to the Supreme Court, your days of peacefully walking around are over. Yeah. And honestly, I think that this is, like, a great thing. And there is such a difference between the sort of horrifying, like, Tea Party bullshit during the Obamacare hearing, like, uh, hearings um, and, and debates and going, like, telling someone that you think they're awful because of a vote that they made when mm -hmm. they try and go out in public. Like, right. you have to, like, you owe it to your constituents to be available. And if that means that when you try to have dinner, somebody decides to make it super awkward for you because you did some shitty shit, like, good. Oh my God. You deserve it. I just remembered something that I didn't share from when I was in Washington, D.C., so I met up with a teammate of mine and he had just gotten into town. And I was like, and I knew he had been walking around the mall and he was yep. at the Capitol and like looking at stuff. And I was like, hey man, how's your trip going so far? And he was like, well, I was by the Capitol and I went to go sit on a bench and there was a bunch of hubbub and I looked up and Ted Cruz walked by <laughs> and he's like, and I didn't know what to do because he was like also by himself, right. but he was like, do I, do I do something? <laughs> like, do I yep. yell at him? And I was like, yeah, dude, just scream at him. Mm -hmm. Scream me sucks. I, uh, do I have time to tell a really quick story? Yeah, sure. Uh, this reminds me of when, uh, it must have been in 2008, 2010, sometime when Paul Ryan, before Paul Ryan got all the way to the top, but also while he still sucked because he's always sucked. Mm -hmm. um, I was stuck in an airport in Milwaukee right. uh, on my way back from Christmas. And of course, there's a snowstorm. We're waiting for our planes to get cleared. I'm sitting there, hanging out, and I see a familiar looking dude in dad jeans and a sweatshirt because it's like a Sunday night. And I look over and I'm like, wait, it's Paul Ryan. Yeah. So I like very politely walked up to him and I was like, excuse me, Representative Ryan? And he's like, Yes, it's it's me, and he's sort of a little bit nervous, but I was doing my best, polite. I right. think I even think I even turned on my like Wisconsin accent again, <laughs> and I was like, I just want you to know that I think that everything that you're doing for the country <laughs> is terrible, and you should be ashamed of yourself for uh, opposing such important, like imposing the president like Amazing. you do. And then I just walked away. <laughs> oh, so good, so good. Just like ruined his day a little bit. I just really, like, I just made him feel awkward. And like we'd already been through security, so we couldn't even go back to the recombobulation area, yeah. which is a real thing in the Milwaukee airport. A people. recombobulation area? Yeah, it's right past security. Is that what they, they call it? They call the space with the benches where you can put your stuff back together and put your shoes on uh, the recombobulation That's area. That's so fucking cute. Cute. I can't even handle it. Yeah, guys. You can uh, get cheese curds and recombobulate. It's great. So cute. Uh, that should Imagine if everybody did that to Paul Ryan. It would just be awful for him and therefore wonderful. Yeah. 
guys, on that note, please go to lighttreason.news. Smash that donate button to keep us going. Please follow Meredith on Twitter at Meredith L. Clark. Thank you so much for listening. Tell a friend about the show. And while you're at it, get out there and cause a little trouble. <laughs>